Thank you for joining us for worship, prayer, and teaching this morning. I add my welcome to you this morning. My name is Peter Hope, and it's my goal to be a source of hope and encouragement to you. Just like to pray at this moment. Lord God, it's time for me to bring my offering of worship. It may not amount to much, but it is the best that I can offer at this moment. If there are any listening who are spiritually hungry, will you feed them from these scraps and create in them a desire to know you more? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable to you. Amen. Whenever you've uh, ventured outside, you will have seen them everywhere, in every public space, silently reminding you of the need to do more than wash your hands frequently at 20 seconds a time, to do more than wear a mask in social spaces. You must be socially distanced from everyone else. This is but one design among many that you might see when you're out and about. As I myself head out into the city or into the country, I carry with me not only my bottle of antibacterial solution, surely of no use in, in a virus, uh, and my homemade three-layered mask, uh, but also I carry with me a sense of failure. Despite over 30 years as a professional teacher of mathematics, I'm surrounded by people who have no concept of a two-meter distance. Everywhere I see examples of severe underestimation, and I and my teaching colleagues are to blame. Look at this, for instance. Those two high-vis straps are nowhere near two meters apart. However, I'm not going to carry the blame for the inability of some to understand what an arrow signifies. Have you found yourself negotiating narrow spaces with people who blatantly ignore the direction of flow? Some signs outside supermarkets give those who cannot estimate distances a bit more help. So if you shop in this store, you'll be able to fit two shopping trolleys between your own and the person in front of you. But tell me, when did you ever see that in operation? You know very well what will happen if you tried to leave such a gap. It's like trying to keep a safe distance behind a vehicle when you're driving. Someone will take that space. I suspect after all this time that we no longer see the signs that are around us, reminding us of how we should be negotiating life in a pandemic. People are not necessarily reckless as some choose to be, but they're simply not as alert to the dangers as they once were. Perhaps to help our degree of alertness, we ought to freshen up the message, as been done in other parts of the world. Australians have come up with this sign. 
Instead of leaving the kangaroo at home, you can take it shopping with you to help you keep the right distance from other customers. Or in Texas, you may come across this sign. Now, should alligators be available to help social distancing, I'm sure they would be very, very effective. For Christians, the lockdown measures hold the possibility of them becoming socially distant, but also spiritually distant. Limitations on the number of people who can meet, restrictions on singing, as we found this morning, have meant that churches have not been functioning in the usual way over these last seven months. Worship services, prayer meetings, group activities have been severely disrupted. Using digital technologies have helped to keep them in touch. But some without those technologies are in danger of being left without spiritual support from other Christians. And here at NCBC, a good number have joined us for the service today. It's good to see you, it makes a different feel to things. And it certainly helps me as I talk this morning and I appreciate the support you've given the team today. Despite the dangers to spiritual well-being of social distancing, I've been pleased to hear of some who have focused not on what they can do, sorry, on what they can do, rather than what they cannot do, and have met up with others in groups of up to six for fellowship and prayer. So let's be creative and look out for ways in which we can stay connected at this time. And Stay Connected is the title of our next series of Sunday Talks. But despite all that I've said already, the title did not spring out of living through a pandemic. Instead, it came out of a reflection on one of the verses of this year. The words of Jesus recorded uh, in the account of one of his closest disciples, John, in chapter 15 and verse 4, where he said to his disciples, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Stay in me, stay connected to me, and I will stay connected to you. Encouraging people to stay connected presupposes that already they have been connected. And this concept of being connected to Jesus is frequently mentioned in the writings of the New Testament, where we read of being in Christ. Sometimes our English translations from the original Greek use phrases such as by Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. They carry also this idea of being connected to him. The same John who wrote down these words uses this expression 26 times in his account of Jesus' life and in the letters that he wrote in later years. And the New Testament has a collection of 13 letters written by Paul, an early convert to Christ. And he uses this expression 216 times altogether. It's this concept of union with Christ 
that we will be exploring together over the next few weeks. We'll be encouraged to stay connected to Jesus Christ and we'll be learning about the benefits that come to those who are in Christ. I'll be sharing this series of talks with Paul John and David Bird. And with so many occurrences of this phrase in the New Testament, it has been necessary to be very selective. And I hope that as we explore this, you'll be encouraged to read the New Testament for yourself and perhaps make a note of those many more places where both John and Paul use this expression in their writings. And you can also anticipate listening from Paul John. Let's now listen to God's, John's record of Jesus' words as they come at the, the beginning of chapter 15 of his gospel. And Ursula will read it for us. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that does not bear fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I do remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burnt. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourself to be my disciples. Thank you. On the night before his death, after his betrayer had left the meal table, Jesus spoke to the 11 remaining disciples using a metaphor which would have been familiar to them. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, he said. Through their attendances at the synagogue from childhood, they would have heard the scriptures read and explained by the rabbis. And in them, which we know as the Old Testament, the nation of Israel is often described as a vine or as a vineyard. Israel was the one nation that God had chosen to represent him in the world and to be a shining light to other nations, encouraging them to worship with them the only true God. 
Sadly, in mainly the poetry, sorry, however, in mainly the poetry and the prophecy contained in those ancient scriptures, God had to address Israel's disobedience and rebellion. So despite the care of the gardener, the vine rarely produced fruit of the quality that was wanted. And Jesus took up this metaphor of the vine and the gardener and applied it to himself. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So in this, he declared that it is he who truly represents the father in the world. And it's through him that people of all nations will be drawn to worship the only true God. He is the light of the world. And his life was marked by obedience to his father and submission to the Father's will. Within hours of saying these words, he would be engaged in the greatest struggle of all, whether to be obedient through to death, the shameful death of the cross, whether to submit to his Father's will and to give his life as a ransom for many. Where Israel failed to be what she was called to be in the purposes of God for the world, Jesus was found wanting in nothing. As the true vine allows the gardener to use his knowledge and skills in promoting the health and vigor of the plant under his care, the focus of attention turns to the branches and their fruitfulness in terms of both quality and quantity. But even though this is where Jesus mainly directs his comments, I don't want to take them that far at the moment. There are a couple of reasons for this, one being that Paul will take this up in his talk next week. But also, the rest of the talks will focus on the benefits that come to those who are in Christ, those good things that flow into the branches because they are connected to the vine. In this introductory talk and this new series, I don't want to move too quickly away from the true vine and the gardener because it's the quality of that relationship that determines the fruitfulness of the branches. Let me make it clear, we're not talking about horticulture. We are dealing with spiritual matters here. Jesus uses a metaphor. Certain comparisons can be made, but should not be pressed too far. Way back in history, this gardener, the one true God himself, had identified from the whole of human stock someone of remarkable faith, Abram, a man who was open to the call of God away from pagan idolatry and willing to step out on a journey into an unknown future, trusting that this God would guide his steps. God changed that man's name from Abram to Abraham, exalted father to father of many nations, 
someone through whom the whole world would be blessed. And this remarkable man, who is rightly honored for his faith, soon acted in ways that showed flaws in his character. Right through to his son and then his grandson Jacob, called Cheat and Liar, later called Israel, possessed a mixture of commendable qualities alongside moral failures. This was the vine that the gardener was trying to work with. Despite the gardener applying his expertise and using the best resources, the rootstock was wild, and for all its vigor, the resulting crop was corrupt. The spiritual lesson needed to be learnt was that even the best of the human race could not live to the glory of God. Other, better stock would be required. And so the most, most profound lesson to be learnt was that the only true stock lay in God himself. Within the nature of the God with whom we are dealing, we have a deep, deep mystery. There is plurality in unity. Jesus made this known more clearly than it had ever been known before. The same night on which he spoke of the true vine and the gardener, he had spoken also of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What they made of it at first, goodness knows. The nature of God remains one of the most difficult things to grasp. It's only come to us by revelation. God looked within himself for the stock for the vine that would produce quality fruit. Spiritually, a corrupt stock can only produce corrupt fruit. But corrupt branches grafted onto good stock can produce good fruit as they're subject to the expert pruning of the gardener. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener, said Jesus. So when he says, remain in me and I will remain in you, he's both commanding us and inviting us to be part of a divine plan to connect people across the world to the life of God. We're invited into this relationship that exists and we are invited to be in Christ. There were statements that Jesus made while he was teaching in which he tried to persuade his listeners to expand their understanding of the nature of God. And these are from John. He wrote, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. The son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. He who sent me is true. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. I and the Father are one. 
When anyone looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. While some who admired Jesus' life and ministry did not dismiss his teaching out of hand, there was strong opposition from others, outraged by his claims and determined to destroy him. But through such statements as these, Jesus reveals something of the relationships that have always existed within the Godhead. More than that, this God wills to have relationship outside of himself. Hence this metaphor of gardener, vine, and branches. Each of the persons within the Godhead is involved in this grand scheme of drawing others into this relational experience. However, the main focus here is on the relationship of the Father and the Son, the gardener and the vine. The gardener invests time, energy, resources into the care of this vine. The vine flourishes under that care and life, vigor, nourishment flows to the branches. So to be in Christ is to be brought into this spiritual, dynamic, vibrant, eternal, purposeful relationship. Those doing so will experience a personal change in which they will flourish as an individual and their lives will be enriched in ways that honor the Father and will show the world what Jesus is like. So at last I've got to the title of my talk, In Christ Enriched. Let me direct you to some further teaching in the New Testament given by both John and Paul. This is the record. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. God richly provides everything for our enjoyment. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Here's the fudge I dropped earlier. Your life is hid with Christ in God. That's the measure of our spiritual health and wealth if we are in Christ. It doesn't say that we will have every spiritual blessing, that, script, that last scripture, but we have every spiritual blessing. And it's in him 
that we are truly enriched. Our life is now hidden with Christ in God. So the encouragement I want to give you this morning is simply this, stay connected to Jesus Christ. Only by doing so will you experience everything that God intends for you and every resource to carry you through any times of particular challenge and difficulty. If you have thoughtfully and willingly put your life into the hands of God and you are in Christ, take time to reflect upon your position and enjoy it. If you're feeling somewhat jaded because of your present experience of the pandemic, use whatever means you have available to stay connected to others despite being socially distant. Don't become spiritually distant from the church family. Take the initiative, signal your own need or signal your willingness to support others, whichever is appropriate, but stay connected. And if you belong to the, encourage, uh, the fellowship here at NCBC, may I encourage you to read Joan Kenny's article in the newsletter circulated on Friday. Keep going back to the source of your spiritual life and vitality by using all the means that have been provided to sustain God's life within you. Stay connected. But if you're listening to this talk and you realize that you know nothing of this connection to God, but it is something that you both need and want, then get connected. If you know someone who talks about this being true in their own experience, you might want to contact them and discuss it. Understand this, there is no way that you will ever know all that there is to know about God. There are times when you will not even understand yourself. All that I can suggest is that you find a time and a place, and why not now, and right where you are, and bring what you know of yourself to what you know of God. Ask to be connected to him. Listen to his response and do whatever he directs you to do. Reach out and get connected. Get connected, stay connected.